During the final months of my senior year in college, I started to look for a job. And I had a rather unusual degree, a degree in writing and business and religious studies. So I had a lot of different options. And I decided that I wasn't yet ready to become a minister, so I started looking for work in marketing and advertising positions. I sent out 150 resumes before I finally got a job. And when I did, the job was all I could have asked for. It was an entry-level role writing ads and sales brochures for a five, Fortune 500 corporation. And I was so excited. I was even more excited with the compensation. I had done a lot of research and knew what that kind of position should pay. And when the company made me the salary offer, it was actually higher than I expected. So I was ecstatic. So I started working, and I quickly met some other new college grads at the firm, and we started going out to lunch together. And one day over lunch, the subject of salary came up. And I was shocked to learn that everyone else in that group made more money than me. You see, they all worked in sales, and I worked in sales support. The company placed higher value on people who actually generated the revenue. And so the difference in pay wasn't unjust, but I felt slighted. And my excitement about my salary dissipated, and I nursed some hurt about that for months. You know, this is an ongoing human problem. We can feel just fine about who we are and how we are doing and how we're treated until we compare ourselves to other people. This almost always leads to a bad outcome because we rarely compare ourselves to those who have less and express thankfulness. Instead, we compare ourselves to those who have more and we get jealous. And even if we're being treated fairly, we still can feel cheated. And in such moments, we need to remember what God expects of us. He expects us to act differently based on the values of his kingdom. Values like the ones expressed in the book of Micah, chapter 6, verse 8. Could we have that slide? I'd like us to read this aloud together. What does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? This is the theme verse for our current series of messages, and I wish I had remembered to fall back on this godly advice when I started comparing myself to my coworkers. Our different pay was not unjust. So the appropriate response would have been some humility, I think, rather than jealousy. Now, that situation I dealt with isn't new. In fact, it's such a common part of the human condition that Jesus even tells a parable based on it. It's a parable where workers are paid differently by their boss. And when they start comparing, they get upset. It's a fascinating parable, and it has much to teach us about justice and mercy in the kingdom of God. I'd like to listen as Emily reads this story for us from Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 to 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. 
he agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About the third hour he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, You also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the eleventh hour he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, You also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the eleventh hour came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, Friend, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Thank you. It is not easy for finite human beings to connect with and understand an infinite God. Jesus uses parables as a way to help people connect. And parables are very simple stories about common people and common places and common events, and yet they're not intended to be understood literally. They are allegories. And Jesus uses these allegories to teach us about the kingdom of God. And that's what we find here. As we see in verses 1 and 2 when the parable begins, Jesus says that what he's really describing is the kingdom of heaven. And it gives us a clue to what things in this parable represent. Our first clue is that the landowner, the owner of the vineyard, represents God. And by describing the vineyard owner in this way, Jesus wants us to know that God is near. God is not remote like an unknowable king who lives in a throne, lives on a throne in some far off city. God is like this vineyard owner. He's near. He is accessible. He is involved in the affairs of daily life. And as we see this parable play out, we see God, the owner, care for his workers with both justice and mercy. Now, if we want to grasp the allegorical meaning of the parable, it really helps to grasp the reality behind the parable. What is life like for this vineyard owner and his workers? Well, the Jewish day runs from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., and many people work the full 12 hours, including this owner. As Jesus describes, he's not some privileged executive lingering over a late breakfast. He's up at the crack of dawn. And on this day, he has a continual need for workers throughout the day which tells us that the parable is set in the harvest season when time is of the essence. You see, the grape harvest takes place in September, and it's immediately followed by the rainy season. We know what that's like, don't we? Our rain year also starts in October. 
And this owner is rushing to beat the weather. So he needs lots of workers. And in that day, you found day laborers in the marketplace. And so the owner spends a lot of time going back and forth between his vineyard and the town. Men hoping to get work for the day are waiting there, hoping someone will hire them. And as Emily read, the the owner comes in early in the morning and he hires a first shift at 6 a.m., but he needs more workers. He comes back again at 9 a.m. and then at noon and then at 3 p.m. And finally at 5 p.m. when there's just one hour left in the workday. Jesus is describing for us an owner, God, who is urgently, even desperately, looking for people to come to his vineyard. What about these men? Men who work as day laborers live a very precarious existence because they never know when the next job might come along and you don't get rich working for the customary minimum wage of a denarius a day. If you earn that, you make enough to cover the basics, but not much more. For day laborers, a day of unemployment is a financial setback. And so they're grateful for the work. You see, if you need to work and want to work, then work, even if it's hard, always is a blessing. And so by hiring them, this owner enables the men to earn a living, and at the same time, he helps himself. That's the beauty of the marketplace when it functions properly. Everybody gets something they need. Now, Jesus' audience understands all this very clearly because it's normal. Yet his parables always have some kind of twist. He describes something familiar, like an owner hiring workers. And then he has someone say or do something that's not normal. And he does that to show that God's kingdom operates with different values than our world. And in this parable, here's the twist. Jesus has the landowner pay the workers in a way that seems unfair. And that's described for us in verses 9 through 12. And this whole scenario we need to understand is based on expectations. The first shift goes to work for an agreed-upon wage. They know exactly what to expect when they get paid at the end of the day. But if you were listening carefully, as Emily read, no one else has such an agreement. And so at the end of the day, the later shifts would expect to receive some kind of prorated wage. And boy, are they surprised. You see, this owner knows that the daily wage is a minimum amount a family needs. And therefore, a worker who only is paid for an hour or two will face hardship. Therefore, this owner exceeds their expectations because he is generous and he is compassionate. He is amazingly and unexpectedly merciful. What a wonderful picture of the God who wants to meet our needs. However, as the first shift men watch this, it raises their expectations. And they assume they'll get more than promised because they worked more than these other men. 
And so when they don't get more, they feel cheated. Now we can understand why they're upset, and yet the owner has kept his word. He didn't shortchange them. He paid them the exact wage they agreed to work for. And isn't it fine that they felt perfectly fine about that arrangement until they compared themselves to the others? Those who were hired last only worked one hour, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work. Comparisons almost always leave someone feeling bad because we tend to look, as I said earlier, in the wrong direction. Any of these men, all of these men could have said something like this. You know, there were men in the marketplace today who had no work at all. I'm so grateful that I had the chance to work and earn some money to meet my needs. Instead, the first shift workers do what we often do, and they focused on the pay of the latecomers. And it's fascinating to realize that the owner wanted them to see this. He could have paid the first men first, sent them home, and then said, okay, guys, now i got a deal for you. <laughs> he could have avoided the conflict. So he obviously wants everyone to understand that his value system is different. His idea of fair pay is different. He's going to honor his commitments and reserve the right to be generous. He's going to be both just and merciful. And I think at times this is really hard for us because we often view justice as equal outcomes. And yet life is inherently unfair. And everything isn't always equal. Look at us. Some people are taller, some are shorter, some are faster, some are more clever. Some people have a metabolic system that's like an incinerator and they can eat whatever they want and their body burns it off and they stay thin. I have a metabolic system like a silo. And my body just stores what I eat. When I was growing up, you know what I wanted to be? I wanted to be the kind of person who could play power forward on a basketball team. Look at me. <laughs> Short and stocky. It wasn't going to happen. Is that unjust? Is it unfair? No, it's just how life works. Everything in life is not always equal. And yet, despite our inherent inequalities, we must try to treat people fairly. We must try to act justly toward everyone so that every person has every opportunity to succeed within their God-given abilities. And since Jesus is talking about the marketplace here, we can say, you know, one way we address that in our world is with labor laws so that people are appropriately paid for the work they do and that no one is shortchanged. Well, that means that you're an owner today and you do what this landlord did, <laughs> you might wind up with the labor board after you. Because <laughs> our laws say things about equal pay and equal outcomes. 
And this means that Jesus is not giving us company policy for wages. He's telling us about justice and mercy in the kingdom of God. And he wants us to know that God, the owner, acts justly. He always acts justly. Yet he loves mercy. And that's what the owner explains in verses 13 to 16. As we see here, the owner says that he will keep his word, he will honor his commitments, and yet at times he may go beyond what is just in order to be generous, i.e. merciful, to a person who needs extra help. Perhaps a person like this day laborer who will suffer if he only gets a partial wage. Jesus' audience understands that. They don't expect people to be paid that way in the real world, but they understand that. And Jesus is leading us to set the stage about the ultimate spiritual question of life, which has to do with our relationship with the owner of the vineyard, the king of the kingdom of God. And when it comes to that ultimate question, where we stand in relationship with God, there is no partial wage. You are either in the vineyard or you're not. And what Jesus wants us to know is that it's easy to get into this vineyard because the owner is not waiting for people to come to him. He's out hunting for them. And he's not selective. He doesn't give these workers a detailed interview. He just wants to know, are you willing to come? Anyone can respond to his offer. And most importantly, it doesn't matter when you respond to the owner. The wage is the same. And it's a living wage. It's a wage that mercifully spares us from the consequences of sin and gives us new life in relationship with God here and now. It's a living wage that gives us peace and contentment not only in this life, but in the life to come. And it's a wage that sustains our soul and meets our deepest needs. It's God's justice and mercy in action. God's justice says... Only get in when you respond to my invitation. And God's mercy says, it doesn't matter when you respond, you still get in and you still get the same wage. It's an equal outcome for unequal behavior. Because God acts justly, but he loves mercy. Yet even as we consider this parable from this spiritual perspective, we might view this treatment of people as unfair. There are some Christians who react like the first shift workers and say things like, well, I sacrificed so much for God. Why should someone who only responds at the end of life get the same wage as me? I think that view only is valid we think serving in the Lord's vineyard is a chore. It's not. It shouldn't be. Relationship with Jesus right here, right now, is much richer and much fuller than life without him. And if you somehow think that you're worse off as a Christian 
that you're missing out on the pleasures enjoyed by a person who's living a a self-indulgent life of sin, then it might be that you misunderstand what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And rather than feel jealous at the short-timer who gets connected to God later in life, we should be grateful. Grateful for the years we get to spend in relationship with Jesus. Grateful for the way he sets us free from the compulsions of this broken world. And grateful that we know a God who welcomes everyone who wants to come and enter his vineyard. When Jesus says that that the last will be first and the first will be last, I picture a moment, and it it may not be real, but I picture this moment when, when all of us are standing there by the heavenly gates and we're watching people come into the presence of God. And those who have been faithful throughout their lives go last. And we watch the latecomers go first. And if that's the way it pans out, we should celebrate that. We shouldn't feel jealous. We should celebrate that. We should celebrate the fact that before they drew their last breath in this life, they made it into God's vineyard. They experienced God's mercy and joined us kingdom of God because every day in fact every hour as a kingdom citizen in this life is precious that's what Jesus wants us to know that's the point of this parable it's about this spiritual connection with God However, as we saw last week, the mercy of God's salvation is not that he is only concerned about saving and restoring people. God is also concerned about saving and restoring this world. And to do that, he wants kingdom citizens to act justly and to love mercy and to live with humility before God. Now, as I said earlier, this parable is not a business plan about how owners and workers should deal with issues of wages. It's not meant to be taken literally like that. At the same time, Jesus is showing us a parable where the principles of justice and mercy are at work in the marketplace. And I think it's, it's entirely appropriate for us to take those broad principles and see how we might put them into practice as followers of Jesus. And so here are some thoughts about how we, as either owners or managers or workers can put principles of kingdom justice and kingdom mercy into practice in our own places of employment. Can I have that first slide, Gary? Here's some, some thoughts about practical principles for owners and managers. First and most importantly, act justly. Honor your commitments. Keep your word. Don't cut corners. I've worked for a couple of big companies, and I've seen companies act justly and very unjustly. And it occurs to me that if those in positions of responsibility would just do this one thing, the marketplace would be a whole lot better, a whole lot more just for everyone. Love mercy. Find ways to be generous, particularly to those on the lower economic rungs who might need some extra help. In other words, think beyond just day-to-day business. How can you be an agent of mercy? 
Here are three things I've seen companies actually do. Number one, you can set standards that allow workers to get a bonus above and beyond their regular wage. And I've seen some employees at the low end of the wage scale who were motivated to work hard to get that bonus because it helped them navigate life. I've seen companies set up a benevolence program and they made it part of their budget so that employees with, a, with financial difficulties could come in and request monetary help to pay for food or rent or, or other shortfalls. You could have your business tithe to community organizations that help people who live on the margins. I know of a small business right here in our town that every month before the owner pays himself, he sends out a donation check to a different community organization. He shares from his company profits to be an ambassador of God's mercy. And he gives to places like the Eugene Mission and Food for Lane County and Hosea Youth Services and more. You might be aware of other things, but these are just some of the ways I become aware of that those who own and manage businesses can be agents of God's mercy. And if you're in a position of responsibility and influence in an organization, what might God prompt you to do? And then how about humility? We need to be humble. Those in leadership cannot be arrogant with the people who work for them. And if you choose to be generous to someone, if you choose to be merciful, then don't call attention to it or pat yourself on the back. Walk humbly with God. Can I have the next slide, Gary? Here's some, some practical principles for staff because those of us who work for others also need to act justly. And I believe this means that as long as we are treated fairly, that people keep their promises to us, we can be thankful. And when we're treated justly, we can respond in kind. And we need to love mercy, and I believe that means we need to stop comparing ourselves to others. And if we see someone that seems to be getting more than we do, we don't need to be jealous. We can just be thankful and grateful that they're being cared for. That's a merciful attitude. And then we can be humble. To not be quick to complain or judge. So often that's driven by only partial knowledge. And we may not have all the facts about what's going on behind the scenes in our company or organization. And if we're treated justly, we can be thankful and humble. Those are just some thoughts that occur to me about what we can do when we are working in the marketplace. We're taking principles from the parable, trying to put them into practice. And of course, we can do that beyond the marketplace, and we should do it beyond the marketplace. In every area of life, kingdom citizens should be looking for ways that we can act justly and love mercy and walk humbly with God. And yet this assumes that, that we're in the vineyard with the owner because that's where it all starts. We never can forget that because of what Jesus says here, that God is looking. And if you're not in the vineyard, he's looking for you. He is searching for you. That might even be the reason why you're here today. Maybe the Holy Spirit gave you a little nudge and said you need to be in church today to come and learn more about what it means to be in the vineyard of the Lord. Are you willing? Are you ready to say yes 
to God? If so, we would love to come alongside you and encourage you as you make that decision. If that's you, then when we wrap up this morning, I want to invite you to head over to the prayer corner. And we will have a church leader or two over there who will answer any questions that you might have. Because more than anything, we would love to see you take your first step of faith today. Because that's when you, like those of us who are in the vineyard, that's when you begin to enjoy God's living wage. Forgiveness. New life with Jesus. Now and forever.